welcome to this episode of Stats, the podcast where we share the accomplishments of the Department of Surgery at Baylor Scott and White Medical Center in Temple, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Lonnie Gentry. The Stats podcast is sponsored by Dr. Harry Papa Constantino, the chair of the Department of Surgery. With this episode, we continue our series on robotics and surgery by discussing the use of robotics in bariatric surgery. To do so, I have invited Dr. Monique Hassan to talk with me today. Dr. Hassan has been on staff here for five years. She is a busy bariatric surgeon and was instrumental in establishing the use of the robot in bariatric surgery here at Temple. Dr. Hassan, welcome to STATS. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Well, great. Glad to have you here. Before we get into robotics, tell us about how you became a doctor, a surgeon, how you ended up here at Temple? Um, Well, um, it's kind of a long story, but um, basically I always knew I wanted to be a surgeon. always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Loved working with my hands when I was little. I was always one of those kids that would take watches apart and try and put them back together without Uh fail. And so my parents just kind of fostered that interest in kind of putting things together and working with my hands. So classic story of having operation, you know, like the game where you put things back and forth. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, you know, really got into that. Um, Initially I thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon and then went to medical school. I actually joined the army to pay for my medical school and they did, which was an amazing experience. And I trained, did my residency in the army Um, So I served 11 years in the Army and then went to fellowship in bariatrics um, because I was stationed in Oklahoma and the Army kind of brought me there to start a bariatric program, which I wasn't initially interested in. But then as I was starting the program and doing things and, you know, working with patients, I found that I really found my passion. So, So then I went to fellowship and that's what I've been doing ever since. So your practice today is 100% bariatric. Yep. I'm 100% focused on that. Assume the average person is listening. Tell us about bariatric surgery. What is it? And you know, what's the need? How do, you, how do you answer that need? And what procedures are involved? Yeah. So I think if you look at the basic, um, basically bariatric surgery is modifying the digestive tract to allow patients to lose weight. Obviously, we know that obesity is a, it's an epidemic. About 40 to 50% of our population is overweight, um, and that number continues to rise. So the need is definitely there. And the COVID pandemic really definitely showed us that patients that are overweight, they do worse with COVID, they have worse outcomes and all these other things, you know, which, which we already knew kind of before in the, you know, COVID kind of just exponentially uh, amplified that. So in terms of the the need, it's definitely there. Um, We here at Baylor Scott and White Temple, and me specifically, I offer multiple different operations. So they range in kind of risk and modification of the digestive tract. So the first would be the sleeve gastrectomy, which just basically modifies the stomach. It shrinks the stomach from football size down to about the size of a banana. And then you have the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass, which we have been doing the gastric bypass for several years. I mean, probably if you go back in history, it's probably even been done over a hundred years, but it's been kind of modified 
um, over the last 20 to 15 mm-hmm. years, I would say. And that procedure involves shrinking the stomach. So we do um, make the stomach probably about the size of an egg. And then um, we divide the intestine and bring that up to the that little stomach in order to modify, not only just have a restriction, but also have a malabsorption component to the weight loss. And then I also offer a new procedure, which um, I'm sure we're going to talk about robotics, but this newer procedure is for patients that are even higher BMI than we normally see. Um, But that procedure is a combination of the vertical sleeve gastrectomy and the gastric bypass, and that's called the duodenal switch. And it's an older procedure that we probably used to do in the 50s and 60s. But again, um, as medicine and surgery has evolved, we've evolved our techniques in terms of doing that procedure. And so now I'm able to offer that procedure. And then for patients who have already had some sort of weight loss surgery in the past, like a lap band or something like that, I do offer revisions. So taking out the lap band and converting to a gastric bypass or converting to, you know, some other procedure in order to help Mm -hmm. them to continue to lose weight. Mm -hmm. So when you started going back a little bit, when you started here in Temple, you were laparoscopic? Yeah, I was 100% laparoscopic. That's how Uh I trained. When I actually was in residency, I had a small exposure to the robot, but that was really just my final year in training. And at that time, things were not really as evolved as they are now. And then in my fellowship training, we didn't do any robotics. It was 100% laparoscopic. And then the program here is really busy. We do hundreds of cases a year. Mm -hmm. And so as a consequence of me kind of doing a lot of laparoscopic um, cases, I ended up with a tennis elbow, and, mm. which is an overuse injury. And, you know, it's funny as a surgeon, you want things fixed, but then you don't really want surgery on yourself, <laughs> you know? So, um, so I went to the orthopedic surgeon and he offered to do surgery. And I said, uh, I don't think so. So He said, you know, this is an overuse injury. And I was like, well, this is my career. So I'm not sure how I'm going to get around this. So we came up with some other ideas and some other people here had been doing some robot stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that was really what initially kind of drew me to the, the idea of doing robotics. Was that a hard transition? I think so. It what I don't think it's insurmountable, but it's definitely a different way of doing procedure. You are sitting down, uh, which is kind of a like, wow, we get to sit mm-hmm. down during operating. And then also you are a little bit, um, you know, kind of removed from the patient. So that is a little bit interesting. Um, but I think in terms of thinking about the case, I mean, it's very much like playing video games and then you, you kind of go through simulations and practices and things like that um, until you're ready to do your first case. And so Lots of training programs, lots of kind of practice overnight to make sure that, you know, you got the movement, you understand how the robot works and working with the staff to ensure that things are kind of smooth and fluid for your very first case. And then I had somebody come in to make sure that I was doing things correctly and that we weren't, you know, we were doing everything safely. Um, And I think, and it went well. And I had such a great experience that I converted my immediately converted my whole oh, practice. Is that right? Yeah. Were you doing laparoscopic along the way? I was. You were kind of transitioning. Yeah, yeah I did. Um for very for actually it was I don't know it was unfortunate or fortunate, but it when I started, um we had that really bad snowmageddon storm, not quite like this one. And so I had to do some 
I did robot cases and then had to switch to doing lab cases for a couple of days while we got back our mm-hmm. OR and stuff. And then, and then went back to doing robot cases. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, not going back to doing laparoscopic <laughs> again. So. And so as far as the surgeon goes, you had relief. I mean, it was a yeah. vast improvement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my tennis elbow had improved just dramatically just from getting away from doing that kind of repetitive activity. Now, I'm not saying that doing robotic surgery probably doesn't come with probably a whole nother set of of overuse injuries potentially, but so far so good. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so yeah, I, I really love it. And I think the patients more importantly are loving it. Tell us about the advantages for the patient. So for me, normally when I do complex cases, I can have, I have more incisions. I also tend to use a liver retractor for retraction um, and exposure during my case. But now that I can use the robot and it's really kind of holding things up for me, I don't need a liver retractor. Mm -hmm. So I can get away with doing my vertical sleeve gastrectomy with three incisions, one before I was doing five. So I think patients love that. Um, Cosmetically, it looks nice. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, in terms of recovery, they're recovering a little bit faster, I think. Mm -hmm. Less pain. We've been able to prescribe less narcotics. um, And we know that the opioid epidemic is is a real Mm -hmm. thing, right? Um, So we're trying to do our best with that. So now we've been doing more multimodal stuff and way less narcotics than we were giving before. Um, I actually just send patients home with like two or three days of pain medicines. And they usually say, yeah, that that's great. I don't need any more than that. So it's pretty good. So how do you prepare a patient for bariatric surgery and follow up? Just kind of generally, what do they experience here at at the hospital. Yeah. So our program is super unique because we are, we're really comprehensive. So prior to, so initially, so for example, I saw clinic today. So all anybody who's new, we see them for initial consultation. I talk to them about what surgery plan to do. Um, we, and we work in conjunction with the patient. So mm-hmm. again, this is not the bariatric surgery yet, while it is an operation, it really just is a tool for the patient to use um, in order to lose weight, right? Mm-hmm. They still have to do diet and exercise in order to really help with the weight loss. So we talk to them about what they need to do in terms of um, diet and exercise plans and finding, I actually, in my initial visit, will actually talk to them about finding an exercise that they love, whether it be walking, swimming, whatever they want, mm-hmm. but they need to start doing that almost immediately if they can. And then after they see us, then they go to our dietitian. Um, they'll see our dietitian for an initial intake. Most insurances require some sort of psychological evaluation so that we can find out if there's any underlying binge eating disorders or any other things that are really going to trip up the patient so that we can start treatment for that. And then depending on the patient's weight or their, you know, social status and things like that, that they need help with, we'll either have multiple weight loss uh, visits before they present for surgery. So then they have surgery and then we have our, all of our surgeons will see them follow up. And then we have nurse practitioners in our clinic that also are seeing the patients in follow up. And actually on their when they get scheduled for surgery, they get all of their visits booked for an entire year. And we have found that that really helps to make sure that the patients really continue to follow up. And we know that accountability is important when it comes to, you know, weight loss or even just following what you're supposed to be doing. So do you find that patients at this point that are seeking surgery are pretty motivated? Oh yeah. I think that I would say probably a quarter of our patients need some sort of 
they have some sort of goal um, with with the in mind for their weight loss surgery. So for example, they saw their orthopedic surgeon and they need a joint replacement. And so the orthopedic surgeon is not going to do their joint replacement Uh without weight loss surgery or that they lose X number of pounds. And so then they start to think about, okay, well, I've been overweight my whole life or I've been struggling with this for a long time. So this is now just another hurdle that I have to get through and really brings me back to the root of the problem, right? Which Mm -hmm. is the weight. And so that's one of the reasons we see a lot of patients. We also see patients who need a transplant. Those patients have to lose weight in order to get qualified for a transplant Mm -hmm. list. So a lot of those patients then again now have a goal. And then frequently, I would say probably more than 50% of patients will have some sort of life goal with it. You know, I have a new grand grandchild being born, so I need to be around. And so Mm -hmm. I need to be able to play with my grandkid or I have younger kids and, you know, I haven't been able to play with them because I can't get down on the floor and get back Mm -hmm. up. So there's, you know, a lot of life things that we don't think about that bring patients in. We know that a lot of our patients have tried hundreds of diets. They've been trying to lose weight for the past 20, 30 years. Um, And then a lot of them have been thinking about bariatric surgery for probably at least three to five years before they can come in. So it's a really interesting specialty and it's a really, it's a really fun and very rewarding. I mean, I really love it. Sure. Yeah. So I resonated with what you said about grandparents with Mm -hmm. grandkids because I have six grandkids. Yeah. And they're exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You need all the help you can get. Right. Right. Yeah. I just saw a patient who has 14 grandchildren. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's like, I got to get moving. She is highly motivated. Yeah. She is like, I got to get moving. Um, So, you know, I got, I got a big crew. (laughs) So, yeah. So do you find it gratifying? I do. I do. I mean, it is really amazing. I mean, I saw... It's, it's not uncommon to have a patient say, you really changed my life. And you probably get that from doing colon surgery or, you know, fixing a hernia, but it's just something to, you know, add more lot, more years to a patient's life. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of like, they're like, wow, you really did that. Or you took away my diabetes. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to check my sugars every time, you know, I can, I have this, I had this monkey on my back and I really can just get back into life and just do anything that I want to do now. So it's pretty awesome. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's super rewarding. Good. Yeah. So back to the robot. Mm -hmm. When you started here, how many robots did the hospital have? So we had a really old robot um, (laughs) that you probably heard Dr. Wagner talk about, but the, the, we had an SI and then we had one new robot. So, and for bariatric surgery, the, XI platform is the best platform because it has a good, um, it has a new generation stapler. So we do a lot of stapling in our surgeries and then also the advanced energy. So we only had one that I could actually operate on. And um, was it busy? It was busy and it was really hard to get time to do cases. And, um, and as a bariatric surgeon, I'm super busy trying to book like three or four uh-huh. cases. So it's not like I could just do one and then, and then kind of wait. Um, so it, it was really busy. So yeah. how did you convince them that you deserve time on that robot? Well, I think, I think honestly, the patients convinced them. Um, and, and by that, I mean, we had patients that were staying in the hospital longer. 
We had patients that were like large BMIs that we couldn't do. Not that we couldn't do it, but, you know, the patients had more incisions and things like Mm. that. And so once I got on the robot, you know, my very first patient was a BMI of 60, which is really high BMI. And I remember inviting um, one of our administrators to come to the OR to watch us do this case. And he said, wow, that was really amazing. Um, that you did that case with just three incisions. And I was like, and the best thing is she's going home today and not taking up a bed in the hospital. And at that time we had a huge bed crunch, um, Uh which we probably still do. But, but I think it was really kind of like eye opening to see us do an operation that took less than an hour and really was able to send the patient home and they had no complications. So is that common for bariatric surgery to go home the same day? It's not until oh, now. Oh, <laughs> with, the, with the robot. Yeah. So, yeah, we really, I think we really changed our practice, um, you know, with our higher BMI patients, more complex cases. We felt safer being able to send those patients home the same day, which before they'd be in the hospital at least, at least a day, maybe two. Mm-hmm. So why would someone, average patient, want to come or or what would you tell them about the advantages to coming here yeah. to having their surgery here at Temple? Well, I'm here. Well, <laughs> okay, that answers that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I think we have a really good program. I mean, we have, we're a busy program. We offer a ton of complex operations. We do between, you know, sleeve gastrectomy all the way to duodenal switch, which a lot of programs don't offer. And we do a lot of complex revisions. We take care of really sick patients. So we're not afraid of managing those patients. And, you know, I had a patient a couple of months ago that um, I just saw back last week but she had had a duodenal switch over 20 years ago and she had lost so much weight that she was less than a hundred pounds, which was dangerous. Right. So she had seen over 15 bariatric surgeons and none of them had wanted to help her. And so, you know, here we, we see a lot of patients, we were comfortable with um, Mm -hmm. the anatomy So we, you know, I took care of her and I reversed her surgery and she's like, you literally saved my life. And she's like, and no one else would. So I think that's the advantage of coming here. I mean, we're, we're comfortable with the anatomy. We can handle complex things. Our ancillary, you know, consultants are really amazing and really Mm -hmm. helpful if we need them, but we can pretty much handle anything. So as a surgeon, what advantages do you find here in this hospital for doing robotic surgery? Yeah, so I think that our administration has done a really good job of really bumping up and ensuring that our staff is prepared. So I think one of the frustrations people can have on taking on robotic surgery is that they worry about turnover times and how long it takes to set up a case. My staff is fantastic. My scrub tech, my circulators, I mean, all of them are, they know what we need. Um, and so, and there's no question um, in terms of what we need, and we can get the cases done. So, um, so they've done an incredible job with that, and just making sure that we have everything that we need for the patients. And and I think that that's the key, right? So you want to do surgery, and as a surgeon, I don't do surgery alone. So our anesthesia staff is really mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, everybody that's on the team is really good, um, and we've dedicated our own robotics team 
nurses and scrub techs and everybody to to specifically to helping this, um, helping us succeed. And I think that it really has made a huge difference. So. Yes. Uh, I know that as a surgeon, you love having your team. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know who's there and, and yep. you walk in and it's It's the same people, and, right. It's the right. same people. I love it. Yeah. That, that's great. Yeah. Right. So what do you see for bariatric surgery in the future? So I think that... I think that we are going to continue to do more minimally, you know, even more minimally invasive things. Um, there are a lot of endoluminal procedures that are coming that we can do in combination with the, you know, robotic assisted laparoscopy, um, as well as doing endoscopy. So going mm-hmm. from the inside of the digestive tract. So I think a lot of those are coming. Um, I don't know how soon that is, but, but again, I think that we are, the robotic platform just allows us to be more comfortable with more complex anatomy. I don't think as a young surgeon coming out of training, I would I would have tackled a revision kind of like that patient that I told you about mm-hmm. with a duodenal switch. I probably would have passed that on to my older partner, but but I felt pretty comfortable just because the technology is there and um and I know that I, I know the technology pretty well. But I think that yeah, a lot of endoluminal stuff is coming, um, stuff that we can modify the digestive tract from inside in combination with advanced laparoscopy utilizing the robot. I would hope that potentially the single incision makes a, a way back, doing it robotically with a single incision. That might be really cool. There is a single single port platform for the robot that maybe potentially we might get um, mm-hmm. in the future. So I think that might help us. Mm-hmm. So. Do you see robotic surgery growing going forward, more and more disciplines? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do. I think that um, stuff that we didn't think that we could do robotically, we can now do. I just saw a video on somebody doing heart surgery with the robot on a live beating heart. I mean, that's pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, I think gastric bypass is cool, but I mean, that's pretty incredible. So, you know, and again, little tiny incisions, Mm -hmm. um, patient going home, you know, probably same day, next day kind of thing that, I mean, I think the sky's the limit. We you started here with one robot, and now we have four. So I think that it it only is ripe for other people to get on and do some creative mm-hmm. things that they didn't know that they could do before. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Exciting future. Well, Dr. Hassan, thanks so much for talking to me today. Yeah. I wish you the best in Thank you. your growing practice. And uh, so glad that you're there for patients who need that assistance and help. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. That's good. Thank you so much for listening to me rattle on about bariatric surgery. (laughs) You're you're obviously passionate about this. I am. It comes across, and it's exciting to be talking about it. Well, that concludes this episode of Stats. Be on the lookout for the next episode of Sharing the Accomplishments of Temple Surgery.